Hello, this Saturday morning, you're listening to The Core Report Weekend Edition with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. On this show, you'll be hearing conversations typically featured in our YouTube video series, Connecting the Dots. In these conversations, I speak to experts from various industries who help connect the dots on topics and issues that aren't usually accessible to most of us. But be sure, by the end of it, you would have gained a deeper understanding of something interesting or significant in the industrial or technology space as I did putting it together. If you prefer video, we've also included the YouTube link in the description. Other than that, we hope you truly enjoy the show. This is the weekend edition of The Code Report. Hello, the way we consume products, particularly food products, is changing. And many things are indeed driven by the way consumer preferences change and the way we consume for two or three reasons. One is, of course, our incomes go up. Secondly, our tastes go up because of what we see around us. And we want to also consume the same. So to do all of that, there are investments that happen. Companies come and set up shop. A company like McDonald's, for instance, in the food space came uh, almost 25 years ago, was one of the first multinationals in that space to come in. Today, you have a Burger King or a Pizza Hut or KFC. All of these are international brands in India. And again, in the specific food QSR space, as they call them. To service all of this, obviously, you need a network of raw material supply and supply chain, which has to work efficiently. And that all of that has to move in what is known as a cold chain. And the cold chain in itself, as many companies have been saying over the years, whether it's uh, levers for ice cream or maybe McDonald's for food, is a bit of a holy grail in India. It's something that is constantly talked about, investments are made, but it always seems to somehow be under potential and not measuring up to potential, at least the way people have desired. So to dive into this a little more, I'm happy to be joined by Sunil Nair, who's the CEO of uh, Snowman Logistics. Snowman is the largest temperature controlled logistics network in India, and they've been around for several decades now. They are present in many, many cities and states, obviously all the major cities, and also have a large network of multi-temperature vehicles and zones where they can ferry products back and forth. And of course, over time, have been working more and more closely with companies to meet their direct needs. So that world is called uh, fourth-party logistics and fifth-party logistics, and I'm sure we'll talk about that as well. So, Sri, thank you for uh, joining us. So, tell us firstly, uh, what does your day look like or a normal day look like? The day... Uh is typically more of, you know, reaching out to people and understanding what's happening, both from the customer side and uh, my team side. And then a few review meetings that happens and some meetings to take some decisions with respect to going forward in terms of expansion, in terms of some customer acquisition, some commercials. Those are the typical things where I spend most of the time. Right. And we are now in the peak of uh, summer in uh, India. I'm in Mumbai, you're in Bangalore, where I know it's a little cooler, but the rest of the country is not. So what's changed this time? I, I mean, what are you sensing or seeing around you as temperatures have risen? The demand for uh, the frozen food has increased, particularly the ones which are consumed frozen, ice cream kind of products. And we have seen that pre-COVID versus last year, that is uh, the summer of uh, 22, the consumption had gone up by almost 30% for ice cream for all of our customers, all of our ice cream customers. At the same time, this year again, it has gone up from last year by 15%. So we see a lot of consumption of cold beverages and cold products increasing. So this is one change we are seeing for good. 
I think with the overall global warming that is happening, even winters are not so cold as of now. So the consumption of such products throughout the year is expected to be there. So earlier there used to be a big seasonality in these products. Now we see that the gap between the peak season versus the lean season is not that much. So this is one thing that uh, we are observing closely. Right. And uh, this could be for two reasons. You know, for example, in Europe, people eat ice creams even in winter, in peak winter. I remember food companies telling me that in India, one day it would happen and uh, maybe it is happening now. So you're only distributing it. But in your understanding, is this taste preference change linked or is this temperature linked? Uh, I would not like to link it to temperature fully. I think it is because of taste. It is because of availability now. Earlier, reaching it to every nook and corner of the country was difficult. Now, with the cold chain infrastructure in place, it is available at everywhere. And it is easily accessible now. There are carts carrying ice creams now. There are small shops with ice creams. Earlier, it used to be only at selected places. So, I think availability is the major driver here. And in your understanding and the way your business has been running in this space, is it a supply-driven demand or demand-driven supply? It is demand-driven supply, but still what happens is these are FMCG products. So there is always a push from the supply side. So there is always a push, there is always promotions, there is always targets and they try to see that the product is as visible as possible so that uh, the impulsive buying is uh, high. So it is still, I think, supply-driven to some extent. Right. And it also means, you know, we are connecting the dots. It also means that at the destination, and I'm going to come back to the supply of it in a moment, but at the destination, there is more electricity or more uh, power available to drive those refrigerators and refrigeration components, isn't it? Yes. So that's what I said. You know, availability now uh, is at every nook and corner. And that availability is basically driven by the cold chain, whether you talk about the refrigerated trucks carrying it from a plant in Nasik to, uh, say, Siliguri uh, in West Bengal, or storing it there, or reaching it to the outlets where the small refrigeration system is placed and there is power supply to it, or at least some backup of power. And there are now even non-electrical uh, ways of storing frozen products for a few hours. So, because these infrastructure, the complete supply chain infrastructure has improved a lot, the availability at uh, every place is there. And, and let's stick to ice cream for a moment. So, tell us about the journey of a, a cup of ice cream or a box of ice cream from the places that you are picking up with and where do they go? So, we do national distribution. So, let me just take one example. So, let's take Baskin Robbins ice cream. It is manufactured in Pune. It moves in boxes to various uh, cities where we have our cold storages. So we move it in refrigerated trucks. These are typically large 32 feet refrigerated trucks. We move it, let's say, for example, we move it to Chandigarh. So the particular truck will go to Chandigarh. It will be unloaded in our cold storage and then it is kept at minus 20 degrees centigrade. And then as per the requirement, the ice cream parlors or the distributors of Baskin Robbins, we go and deliver it to them. These are all boxes till then. And after that, they supply it to the uh, small shops. We supply it to the ice cream parlors. There are two types of ice creams that we supply. One is the typical tubs, which are, you know, uh, small cups. Or uh, we supply the bulk also, 4 liter bulk, from where they serve the scoops. So this is the complete journey throughout which the minus 20 degree or below that the temperature has to be maintained. Then it uh, comes into the hands of consumers. 
And and what's the furthest distance your trucks are going, at least in the context of Baskin Robbins? In the context of Baskin Robbins, I would say that it must be going to Imphal. Imphal would be the furthest. And how long would that take? It will not go straight to Imphal. It will go to Siliguri and from there it will get further transported. So if I see a complete journey, it would take anywhere between 12 to 15 days. Okay. And uh, in one direction? In one direction, yeah. Okay, so you're saying that that ice cream has to be preserved at minus 20 for 12 days as it's moving. Absolutely, yeah. And you mentioned Chandigarh. How long would that take? From Pune to Chandigarh only, it will take four days. Then it gets stored for a couple of days and then it gets supplied further to the distributor or parlor and then it goes in the hands of consumer. So when I talked about Imphal, I'm talking about reaching it in the hands of consumer. Okay. Now, the trucks that carry this are obviously consuming much more fuel than a normal truck because I'm sure generators are running to run the air conditioners and so on. So, is there a sense on how this economics works? I mean, I mean, what can you share with us? Very difficult to share the economics. I mean, I can share, but it is difficult to understand unless you are a refrigerated transporter or a refrigerated warehouse owner. But I can say that for a common man, it is almost 70% costlier than a normal transportation. So if I have a similar truck uh, body container on it, but there is no refrigeration in it versus a refrigeration container and the operation cost of that, it costs almost 70% costlier. Right. And therefore, somewhere the brand has to have that power to obviously command the price which the consumer in Siliguri or Chandigarh will pay for it to make up for all of this. Very much. That's the reason, you know, the low value products like fruits and vegetables while globally in many countries, fruits and vegetables are transported in refrigerated trucks. But in India, it is still not done. It is transported in open body trucks because refrigeration adds cost. While it uh, preserves your quality and quantity of the produce, it also adds a lot of costs. And if the consumer is not ready to take that cost, then it doesn't make sense. And fruits and vegetables today are produced in every nook and corner of the country just outside the consumption centers so for Mumbai, most of the vegetables come from Pune and nearby places, Narangao and Manchar, like places. So it's an overnight journey and it is distributed. So they don't use refrigeration. If they use refrigeration, your per kg cost of a okra will go up by one, one and a half rupees, which they can't afford. So you are absolutely right. The price point of your product also matters so if it can absorb a cold chain cost. And what value the cold chain is adding. Ice cream, for that matter, have no choice. I mean, you will have to have refrigeration system. But in general, I am saying, yes, uh, the cost matters a lot. And what are the top three or four products that you carry by value and by volume? From a product point of view, the topmost will be uh, ice cream only. We carry ice cream for Amul. We carry ice cream for Baskin Robbins. Then HUL, their quality walls. We carry uh, Wadilal ice cream also. We carry Greenbell also. So, almost all the ice cream. So, from a value point of view and from a volume point of view, they would be the number one. Ice cream would be the number one. Number two would be seafood, where we store a lot of seafood for export purpose, uh, which is primarily shrimp. Almost 20% of the Indian export goes through our cold storage facilities. So, that is uh, number two volume. And number three would be a mix of various products, but meant for QSR industry. So QSR is our uh, major client segments, almost 15 to 18% of our revenue comes from QSR. So that would be the number third in terms of volume. 
Right. And in QSR, what's been changing, Sunil, in the last, uh, again, two, three years? Uh, because I know COVID has caused some kind of shift in the way people consume and eat, perhaps. What are you seeing it from your vantage point? We have seen that there is huge improvement in the overall sales of an outlet. The good part is eating at home at your convenience has increased a lot. Earlier, pre-COVID, the outlets were not prepared for that kind of service. They were more of dine-in concept. So a McDonald's outlet or a KFC outlet were more of dine-in concept. Only 5 to 7, 10% max would be home delivered pre-COVID. But now they are all geared up for home delivery by partnering with Swiggy's and Zomato's of the world. And good 30-40% of their volume is eaten at home. So that is helping them also. Now post-COVID they are prepared for this kind of arrangements, you know, tying up their IT system is in place. Their kitchen is now modified to take care of such kind of uh, requirements. So we see a lot of change here, a lot of volume increase per outlet. That is what is very, very important for this industry also. This is helping us to have a higher volume throughout the transportation storage and the secondary delivery to the outlets, which optimizes a lot of costs also. And within the food QSR segment, would it be mostly dairy products like cheese that you are transporting more or is it also like a little bit of vegetables and so on? No, the most uh, is basically the processed food like tikkis and patties. Those are the major ones. And then comes cheese and sauces as the second category. And the processed part, are they also traveling longer distances or is it more sort of serving only cities and so on? No, no, they are uh, from source. If you see, they are traveling longer distances. So uh, KFC chicken would be coming from Pune Venkis and getting distributed nationally. So it is moved frozen from there to our warehouses. From there, it goes to the outlets, KFC outlets. Similarly, the McCain French fries is picked up from Asana and it is brought to various warehouses and then it goes to the outlets, whether it is, you know, KFC outlet or any other outlet. So these are all the processed food that I'm talking about, which goes into the patties that is manufactured. There are patty manufacturers in Taloja, in Mumbai or uh, in Chandigarh also. They are also picked up from there and distributed nationally. So the burger that I'm eating or likely to eat, let's say in, in, in a mall in Mumbai, could actually be comprising components which have come from all over the country, but anywhere but Mumbai. And similarly, if I was sitting somewhere else. Maybe vegetables are from Mumbai because they are usually fresh delivered. But uh, rest of the things, sauces would have come from Chandigarh, patty would have come from Taloja and something would have come from Pune. And then it gets assembled at the outlet. Right. You know, this is obviously a growing industry, but as I'm always told, it is not up to potential in terms of what we can do. And you mentioned, for example, that if we were to get into vegetables and fruits, then there is an opportunity, but the costs don't uh, match up. So, Two questions actually. So what are the hurdles that this industry faces in growth? And the second is, uh, where could it grow if we could? So see, the potential is huge as per the uh, estimate by some research organizations. The cold chain industry in India is close to 70,000 crore Indian rupees. Whereas if you see the organized sector in the country all put together, there are not many, maybe 3 billion operators which does cold chain, would not be more than 1,500 crores. Rest is completely unorganized uh, sector or it is captively developed by the manufacturers or brand owners. So the opportunity is huge and the industry is growing good 12 to 15% CAGR. It has grown, demonstrated that number last four, five years and it's looking more promising for subsequent five years. The major challenge here is the price point, the recognition of your cost of doing this business, you know. 
so still uh, in india uh, there are companies which compare a cold chain price with a normal transportation a cold storage price with a normal warehouse price because lot of products are moving from a non cold chain to cold chain if you know the confectionery industry moved from non cold chain to cold chain some 7 8 years back was they started uh, finding quality related issues now lot of pharma products are moving from a non cold chain to cold chain they end up comparing the costs and when we did a brief uh, research in some of the similar countries we found that all these countries have faced same problem but there has been a time when demand and supply of cold storage and refrigerated truck met an equilibrium point and then they realized that the price correction has happened this is the major challenge that this industry is facing today where the price need a correction good 10 to 12% correction to recognize the cost of operations it is important to understand that this industry once you have built your infrastructure which is very very capex heavy which is one major barrier for any new entrant to come in with those capex investments in addition to that the opex is completely regulated whether you talk about electricity cost minimum wages cost or diesel cost there are regulated costs you cannot go and negotiate from your vendors you know and try to reduce cost you cannot so the cost is not fully in your control infrastructure is already in place so there is very little play left to you to be more efficient as such so what is required now is a slight price correction in the market which will make the overall proposition attractive for people to come and get into this business right and uh, this is interesting because you've said confectionery and pharmaceuticals as industries which did not feel the need for it and now do because obviously there is something going wrong at the point of final consumption but let me come back to you know the traditional goods or foods that you've been transporting what are the hurdles that you face or are facing as a transporter i, I know gst has made life much simpler and therefore at least in theory you know a truck that leaves pune should reach in 48 hours in chandigarh or wherever that is but what are the other hurdles that you are and could be facing so other than cost the second major hurdle is the driver availability drivers are very very short in supply whereas the demand of transportation is increasing and we see that while it is a very skilled job it is still not a respectable job and hence no one wants to become a driver one would prefer to become a sweeper in a mall rather than becoming a driver because there he knows he is in air conditioned environment and will reach home in the evening whereas a driver has no such guarantee so the lifestyle that a driver gets and the treatment that a driver gets is actually causing a lot of issue organizations like us snowman we are trying to see how we can change that for our drivers at least uh, but still the availability of drivers is very very short and that is causing one major problem when it comes to transportation right and two questions here so one is what's the average salary for a driver because i'm assuming if you're driving a 32 feet truck which is refrigerated and therefore the value is so high the compensation is also higher than let's say what a normal driver somebody would get Yes so the driver gets 25000 rupees per month on a fixed basis and he gets allowances which will take him to anywhere around 35 to 37000 rupees per month okay and in your case do drivers stick with the trucks all the way because i know some logistics companies are using this switch kind of model where they drive for 4 hours they get off then another driver comes in yes so we don't use that we believe that a driver has to have an ownership of the truck our trucks are very costly on an average a truck would cost 35 lakh rupees so we want the driver to treat the truck as his own so we see that we attach a set of driver with a set of trucks and we see that they only drive it because then they know the trucks if there is any issue in the truck in terms of maintenance so you know we see that they own it up completely okay 
And you are saying that even at that, let's say, earning over 30,000 rupees a month, which is not enough, particularly if you're living in a city, you may want to earn more. You're saying that is not sufficient incentive to get people to train either themselves or be trained by someone like you to become drivers. Uh, no. So as I told you, one is money. I mean, it is attractive, but it's not attractive enough to live a less respectable lifestyle and be always at the risk on the road. And, you know, someone who's going from, say, Mumbai to Chandigarh, he would meet his family maybe in 10 days. You know, he will have to come back and then meet. So these are some of the reasons why the driver availability is slow. I mean, this is not just your problem, I'm sure. It's an industry problem. So what's the industry doing about this? And I'm sure a lot of the organized operators are trying to do something in terms of, you know, taking care of their family-related uh, challenges, if they can address that giving them more respect in the system, not calling them driver, calling them pilot and those kinds of things. Uh, but I think society as such should change. It's not about one or two operators alone because no driver wants uh, his son to become a driver. What may come, he will see that he doesn't become a driver. Even if he's not educated, he would like him to work in a departmental store or in a mall or in a theater or in a restaurant. There are so many options today. With those options, no one wants you know, their kids come to this uh, same profession. So I think this is one uh, area, if we compare with other developed countries, their driver's availability is very short. There, the costs of driver have gone up. I mean, they are five times of what we pay. So I think we will also reach there very soon. We will also end up paying 80, 90,000 rupees a driver. And then maybe it will be comparatively, you know, at least commercially, this profession will look better for the drivers. Right. And, you know, to come back to the, the newer areas that you're looking at, and, you know, we talked about food in the beginning and we said, okay, consumer, uh, shifting consumer preferences have caused demand up the chain. So that's really the first dot. I mean, the other dot that you're now pointing to is businesses like pharmaceuticals and chemicals, which I read that you're also uh, getting into, or confectionery, which you mentioned. I mean, these are all transitions. So what's driving these transitions in uh, chemicals, pharmaceuticals, uh, confectionery and so on? So, from a snowman point of view, uh, we want to expand. We have been in the industry for almost two and a half, three decades now. And we believe that all the initial learning that we had to have is already done. Whether it is about setting up the refrigerated truck or setting up the cold storages, we have done that enough. We have enough learning in place. We have good, strong team. Last four or five years, we have spent a lot of money on our IT piece. So, from an IT point of view and from the leadership and org structure point of view, we are very much there to double the revenue. And at the same time, what's happening is on the other side, the law is becoming more stringent. We, our food safety law is comparable to any developed country in the world and they are being emphasized on the ground also. So this is creating more demand for companies like us and we do not want to miss on that at this point in time. So that's the reason we are trying to expand a little bit. We are trying to reach out to Customers who respect this kind of infrastructure, this kind of services, this kind of IT infrastructure and trying to grab that business. Right. And uh, last couple of questions as we run out of time, uh, Suryal. So, you know, temperatures are rising, climate is changing and that will and is and going to have an impact on your business. How are you either preparing for this or responding to it as you look ahead? So we are taking this as an opportunity for us. Because this will only mean that more and more products gets into cold chain. In terms of all our infrastructure, they are well capable of maintaining temperature because what we do is when we want minus 20 degree temperature, our infrastructure is capable of taking it down to minus 25. 
so even if the external temperature rises to 3 4 5 degree additional we will still be able to maintain the desired temperature so our infrastructure is capable of that so our focus today is to create more and more capacity in terms of cold storage and transportation and uh, be ready with the increasing volume we have seen that our customers organically grows 10% year on year so even if we don't bag more businesses new clients our existing business will grow by 10% next year so we are just gearing up to see that that 10% is accommodated somehow in our capacity and at the same time we grab more businesses so that's the whole strategy with which we are putting our expansion plan in place right and finally you're also a listed company and there are a lot of companies which have raised a lot of capital in the unlisted space and uh, want to get listed how are you seeing that space i mean between you as a existing player and you have a parent gateway district parks which has been around even longer so you're a veteran in this space and you're also up against some very young companies run by very young people so i would say that when it comes to raising fund or it comes to valuation a listed company is always at the mercy of market and the market sentiments whereas a private company can have their own story around it so yes that challenge is there when it comes to a listed company but from a competition point of view we are we are far far ahead even if we take number 2 number 3 number 4 and act together all of them even then they are lesser than us in terms of capacity not only that the amount of reputation we earn in the market in last 6 7 years we haven't lost any single business if you have lost couple of businesses it's only on commercial grounds so we want to benchmark and be a benchmark uh, whether it comes to pricing whether it comes to quality of service whether it comes to infrastructure so that's the way we would like to take it forward right sunil it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you so much for joining me and all the best thank you so much this was the core report with me govind raj athiraj do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core you can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in that is www.thecore.in or follow us on linkedin twitter and facebook as well now we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you including our reporting on india's vibrant manufacturing sector write to us at feedback@thecore.in at thank you for listening